double shot with your favourite cousins, James and Alex Fitzgerald. In fact, I've given James the boot this week. We get so many finance-related questions, very hot topic right now, interest rates have changed, borrowing has changed, yada, yada. I've said, James, you have a rest week. He's also like he's getting a bit fluey after uh, Collingwood won the game on the weekend. But uh, I said, you have a rest and I'm going to bring in Bernie Big Dog. So, Bernie Big Dog, welcome to the studio in Melbourne Live with with moi. What an introduction. Thanks so much. (laughs) Now, yeah, you know, we have a bit of a tradition of hanging shit on those who uh, are not here to fend for themselves on the double shot. So <laughs> James is in here. Do you think he's getting a bit fluey because he's pashed a Collingwood supporter on the weekend or in the MCG, or do you reckon he's been spat on by a Collingwood supporter on the weekend? <laughs> Which one do you reckon it Gee is? Gee whiz, Alex, you started <laughs> with the hard-hitting questions, haven't you? <laughs> God forbid with 100,000 Collingwood supporters, anything could have happened. I know, I know. How funny. He would have been in a sea of them with his lion scarf on, losing by two points. So maybe, uh, maybe he did get spat on. Oh, God help. Either way, it's just not the... Not the type of supporter you wanna you wanna get breathed on or spat on by. Anyway, Bernie, thank you for joining us. Now, um, Bernie, by way of context, I've worked with you for six years now, which is crazy. We're coming up to year seven. Six years too long or six, six years too short? Uh, Why well, six years too short in my opinion? <laughs> yeah, like let's keep this going. We've got a good thing going. No, great. We're moving office next year, so I think uh, the the good times are only ahead of us. Um, but you've been a mortgage broker for how long? I think we're ticking into 17 years now. Wow. The journey started a long, long time ago. So actually Caroline, she was the one who actually encouraged Yeah, she, she? she encouraged me to take that route and take that path. You really and just took a hold of the family finances and she thought, you know what, you're actually very good at this. No, let it, let it be known. She is the boss of the finances. <laughs> I did know that. I did know that. She's um, the boss. But that, no, started, yeah, about 17 years ago now and um, started pretty much as an OV1, OV2 sales consultant and then intertwined mm-hmm. finance. So I was playing, you know, multiple roles and wearing mm-hmm. multiple hats uh, at the same time but had um, somewhat of a passion and a bit of a gift there for, for, for numbers and finance. But lo and behold, through, throughout my school days, mm-hmm. I hated numbers. I hated Ditto. math. So, so true. So, so true. quite they ironic. Have, they don't have meaning to you then though, you know, no. like you just – and like – these triangle things, you know, Pythagoras theorem, like get a load of it, seriously. I think my brother might actually do a bit of that stuff really? as a pilot, but he's a pilot. So yeah. <laughs> but honestly, Pythagoras. But, yeah, but you are. You're, full, you're a full numbers nut now. Like I've only ever seen you surrounded by numbers and a lot of colours and a lot of paper. You're a real <laughs> old school paper dude. I am. I am from the old school sure. days, that's for sure. Yeah. So if it makes sense to me on pen and paper, then everything else <laughs> makes sense to me. So no. Um, no, no, as I said, uh, had that sort of passion and, um, and more, more, more so communicating with the general public about, you know, their ins and outs, being mm. the numbers, mm. the pluses and minuses, um, and just want to, you know, continue on helping and assisting where possible. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, I thought before you have probably written more loans than I've had coffees, and that says a lot. Is it, this is called the double shot. And I've seen you. I've seen you <laughs> hit the. Co- <laughs> I've seen you hit the coffee bar multiple times. <laughs> well, you know we're in a go workspace. They're free now, no. so like, <laughs> we just let open slather. Well, let's look. Let's just get straight into it. And I mean, look, you and I. You and I are very conversational and there's so much stuff that we talk about every day just regularly in the office, on the phone. So 
man, like it's almost like where do we start? But I'm going to throw like a, a general curveball one at you. It's actually not a curveball, but it's generic in the sense that I get asked this a lot. What is the biggest change happening right now in the finance world? And there's been so many changes. My response may shock you and probably shock some <laughs> that are listening here. Because, shock factor. Very yeah, good. shock factor. Very good for clicks. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so let's let's drift away from, you know, the changes around interest rates. Let's yep. drift away we from these assessment mm-hmm. rates and so forth. But the behavioural change that um, has been quite noticeable for, me, for myself dealing with the banks directly is that so many different changes have occurred internally with their credit staff. Okay, around their policies. So mm-hmm. bank bank A, bank B might have similar sort of policies. Then all of a sudden you've got three or four other lenders on inside that have a completely different view. And that could be just from a generic sort of customer who's a PAYG employee, mm-hmm. receiving bonuses or receiving other sort of additional uh, incentives. And they'll take different considerations into that. And a lot of them, what they're the fab word these days in banking is what they call shading. So, shading. yeah, they're all shading and reducing incomes, um, um, you know, obviously to, you know, factor into that buffer. But, yeah, the behavioural change has probably been the most concerning and probably the, the greatest sort of change over the last probably two or three months. So, and I mean, we're recording in October now, 2023, so this is all pretty fresh and um, that, that's interesting because we often talk about how bank A and B are you know, already quite different with different servicing calculators. So yeah. are you saying they're they've got a bigger disparity than than ever, like than than you've seen in your time? Ever since the rate hiked have occurred and consistently occurred, mm. I've seen I've seen a massive shift in that. Mm. So um, I scratch my head some days and I just wonder, I'm saying, well, actually, do these banks want the business or are they actually pushing business away? I know. I, know. I always think that too. So it just blows my mind um, as to the behavioural changes and how the different policies. So, yeah. Big dog, maybe that hard-to-get theory is not – not just applicable to relationships, it's also yeah. applicable to banking. Possibly. Quite <laughs> hard to get. The world is changing in many ways, Alex. <laughs> uh, um, okay, so so disparity, can we unpack that a little bit more? So shading, I would like, tell us about that. Yes. It's not an artistic um, no, reference. Well, we'll use a simple example. Let's say we've got applicant number one on $100,000 per annum. Beautiful. Okay. Their base wage is $80,000. And however, maybe receiving about twenty thousand dollars in combined bonuses throughout the year. What some banks will take in consideration is definitely the eighty thousand dollars worth of base mm-hmm. income. However, the bonus income will be potentially cut in half, and they'll only accept probably fifty percent of that, which then narrows their overall income mm-hmm. down to ninety thousand dollars on serviceability. And that sometimes does have an impact on the overall picture, the overall approval numbers that are yeah. required. So yeah. it, it has a serious sort of impact. Well, so, you know, this is a 10 grand a year that they're actually earning. Absolutely. You know, they could be going towards whatever loan. But the, the point of difference really is, is you can take it to bank C and D mm-hmm. and all of a sudden they will take in consideration the 80000 yeah. plus the full 20000 because there's been continuity and there's been consistency. Yes. And that's the, that's the real sort of um, scratch of the head moment where you say to yourself, well, unbelievable that mm. bank A don't want to represent this client and provide them the service that's needed. However, Bank C and D and there's many other banks that will probably take that into consideration. So my sort of message to the general public is that don't be pigeonholed with 
maybe the banks that you do recognise and mm. have participated with over the years, start to start to expand your mind a little bit and be willing to obviously look at those who are willing to support mm. your application. Yeah, absolutely. It's interesting too because it's like, you know, you, you talk about their policy, but I suppose it's really their like risk capacity, right, or like how safe they want to be or how big their, you know, book is and, and what they can afford to lose. I don't know. Yeah, like maybe with the Royal Commission days a few years ago where they were <laughs> you know, overexposed there on investment lending and they were free willing, giving money away to those who probably didn't have the credit worthiness at the time, mm. but um, that, that belt's certainly been tightened up over mm. the last few years. Uh, however, the risk comment or quote that they make, really, what is there? That, you reckon it's fluff? Yeah, I reckon it's fluff. Oh, you reckon it's fluff? Yeah, there's, there's, pl- there's plenty of fluff in amongst it, I believe. <laughs> because really, you've got to ask yourself the question, where's the risk to the bank? They hold the security. That's true. You're not necessarily borrowing 95% nowadays. Correct, yeah. yeah. And especially if they're putting a ceiling at 80% LVRs, really, where is the risk? Yeah, true. You don't make your repayments? Well, you're at risk. <laughs> well, yeah, you are at risk. That's Absol- right. Absolutely. But yeah. um, from a bank's point of view, I, yeah. I, I just I really scratch my head. Well, it's, that's an interesting point. I mean, like I've, I've thought about that before, but probably not like I am now where I I know and believe that Australia is is the safest asset class. Yes, did I say Australia? This housing is the safest <laughs> asset class in Australia. Sorry, and you know, yeah, worst case scenario, they end up with the the house at the end of the day. I suppose. Um, yeah, interesting. Okay, can I throw another curveball yeah, in there? Yeah, go on. So there's the scratch of the head moment where you sit back yeah, and you yeah. say, right, you okay, say WTF? There we go. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but then that same bank. Will then have the cheek to go and offer you an extra ten or fifteen thousand dollars on credit card facilities. Oh, yeah, what? So true. At twenty percent. Try thirty-two. Try thirty-five. What? Actually, I come across one that was at sixty-three no. percent the other day. No. Oh yeah. One of those store what cards. Bank? What bank? Oh, what one of those nasty store cards? What's a store card? Oh, well, you know the one where you go to Harvey Norman, you pay forty percent over the price, and you know they'll they'll set you up on finance, and oh. you know, they say it's interest free for a period of time. For but once months. once that once yes. that time ticks over, all of a sudden sixty three percent. Yeah, <laughs> far out. It's amazing. 63. It's amazing. I like those little insights. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Far out. Um. So. Also timely to have you on because this week, uh, is it Michelle Bullock, the new governor of the RBA? I hope I've got her name right. I have a feeling. I have a feeling of. Sandra's sister, I believe. <laughs> Sandra's sister. You know, well-known actress, we all yes. know. Now her sister's uh, even more famous than her as the governor <laughs> of the RBA. Absolutely. Um, they had a press conference this week and then they released their, their interest rates. They've kept them on hold. Not really shocking, mm. um, but the big discussion and all the, the PR that's come out around that is that, you know, Michelle has said that she's open to the possibility of rates increasing. And my take on that is, well, Phil Lowe, the, the ex-governor, he came out and said, oh, look, I regret saying we'll have low interest rates till 2024 because it's how that's what he was ridden on for the, the 18 months that he, you know, didn't keep them low at all and, and it's his biggest regret. So I think she's sort of like kept that open. But And you get asked this as a broker all the time, but realistically, like what are, what are banks doing today? Like where are their rates today? Are they putting them up or down? And 
What could that possibly indicate to us in the next three to four years? Put put the RBA aside and what what they say for PR. Like, what are the banks actually doing now? So we'll go back less than twenty four hours ago. <laughs> okay. I'm sitting in front of my computer and I get this. <laughs> e- a nice latte. Yeah. <laughs> These email trails coming through, obviously, especially at this time of year. RBA announcement and so mm-hmm. forth. All the banks are already starting to send their notifications out. Yep, fixed rates, variable rates, either they're increasing, remaining, or increasing. Mm. So, increase. Yeah, 11 o'clock yesterday morning, I get one from Macquarie Bank, lo and behold. I had to read it three or four times. <laughs> Please note, as of the 3rd of October, fixed rates will be increasing with Macquarie Bank. What? To, like from what to what? Do you remember? It's going to be an increase of somewhere between 25 to 30 basis points. A okay. quarter of a percent. Quarter of a percent. But just the fact that that announcement had come through. Increasing. Increasing. On their fixed rate. On their fixed rate. So I have seen this behaviour before over many, many years where oh. each time you see the fixed rate component slightly increase, you may see on the other side that variable rates are going to decrease. So I'm just wondering whether it's a little bit of a ploy for sending the message out to the general public, press mm. the panic button, yeah. last chance to fix in rates, and all of a sudden, bang, yes. you get some rate reductions uh, come about. So That's where my brain always goes. I go, what do you mean? Like the fixed rate is higher than the variable rate. Yes, okay, the variable rate could go up and down at any time, but mm. I, I always think like are they trying to trick me to thinking – this will be a really good fixed rate, you know, in hindsight. You should lock in now and, you know. There's certainly been some significant sporadic behaviour in the fluctuations of fixed rates Fixed rates the last probably eight yeah. or nine months. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah, it's quite interesting. I, I think a lot of the movement does occur around that fixed component up or down, mm. um, but it'll be quite interesting to see what happens now after the notification that came out yesterday on yeah. hold again, yeah. um, the variable rates. But I'll tie back into the actual interest rate itself, but the assessment rate behind the scenes is obviously when the banks are doing their assessment on applications, mm. that buffer still reigning around that 3%. You know, yeah. I had a scenario a couple of weeks ago where a particular bank was assessing the overall position at 10.5%. Oh, my God. So when when, when we see that component start mm. to come down, and there has been a couple of lenders that have made some you know, significant shifts in that space, once that starts to come down, obviously the borrowing starts to mm, Love it. I, uh, I had a client uh, write twice last week, Graham, if you're listening, hello, and we've talked about Graham at, at length, but yes. um, he had a good question and I thought it might be worth bringing up, but are banks, are you seeing banks still offering uh, three to five-year interest-only loans on, on investment? Absolutely. Yeah. The requirements are these days where if you've proceeded forward and expired your five-year interest-only term, mm-hmm. you know, you've taken out your term for 30 years over the, over the course of the loan, you entertain five years for the first five. What's the likelihood now of them reactivating another three to five years? Mm. Depending on the strength of the application, mm. I have seen it mm-hmm. occur. Mm-hmm. Um, and some positive behavioural changes there from the banks, which is exciting to see. Um, and it's great for our customers also. I'll, I'll segue into another topic in a moment on the back of that and uh, some of the experiences we've had. However, um, the likelihood is that you probably want to start looking at refinancing at this stage. You're coming up to an expiry time frame of five years, refinance, start that clock again. A couple of months early. A couple of months earlier. Yep. 
<clears throat> anywhere between 40 to 45 to 60 days beforehand, start looking at it. And we've got quite a few inquiries occurring at the moment yeah. in the same sort of position. So, um, yeah, to answer your question, to get back under a three or five years, absolutely. Mm. The strength of the application, yep. age demographic does have a, yep. you know, key, key bearing on it. But, yeah, no issues at all. I wondered too, like, if, if you were at the end of a five-year interest only, like there's a decent chance that you've seen significant growth. Yes. So you've got pretty good equity and, and therefore low LBRs on, on your loans. Mm-hmm. So um, does that significantly help your case alongside your, your income and obviously the rent on those properties? Absolutely. It all builds into a stronger application, yeah. right? Um, the LVR component generally will offer you better rates. You know, so if you're only capped out at about 60% across your portfolio, you're generally going to improve your rates by about you know, 40 or 50 basis points, yep. which is which is pretty positive in itself. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there are benefits, absolutely. I, w- I was going to ask you something, sorry, but I thought I'd cut you off, but, but I was going to ask you, so are you recommending to your clients to go down the variable route today? Absolutely. And, and, and not necessarily fix? Um, is, that, is that sort of what you're doing? Absolutely, yeah, ride that wave. That, that, it's so hard to predict. Like I think people want you to put... Pr- they want you to predict so that they can make the right decision. Yep. But ultimately, no one knows. The banks don't even bloody know. If you work at the bank, you don't know. Or maybe you've got like a couple of days leeway. But no one can ultimately predict. So they are probably strongly looking to you as their mortgage broker to to really like lead them in the right direction. From a cash flow perspective, the encouragement always is to aggressively tack that non-deductible debt component. Yep. That's a no-brainer. So the, right. the, the own home. Don't change gears. Aggressively attack that as often and as frequently as you can mm. and whatever additional monies you may have, offset it. Mm. You're doing justice to yourself at all times, right? Yep. Yep. So the pattern doesn't change from that perspective. Ride the variable wave. Mm. Don't consider fixed because they're just not appealing enough. I agree. And it's as simple as that. Keep it simple. Don't overcomplicate it. Okay, well, I'm going to overcomplicate this for a hot second. I just said don't overcomplicate <laughs> us. In what scenario would you recommend fixed? Jeez, I might need a moment to think about that. Is there a scenario? Or maybe today there's not There's not really, or, or maybe you haven't come across one yet. Look, unless you can find a lender that's out there that's going to offer a generous sort of fixed rate no longer than probably 12 months, mm. And depending what else you've got going on with your portfolio, that's right. Taking consideration, yeah. Um, other than that, no. Interesting. Aggressive, because if your cash flow is fine, you've got your spending habits in order. True. Consistent money coming in through mm-hmm. your rentals. Mm-hmm. There's no reason to default. There's no reason to change your habits. And that's and that's what we've found. We've got many prime examples of our customers. Um, those who have continuously remained focused and on the path are the ones that we still see having the opportunity to replicate the process Mm-mm-mm. and continue remaining ahead of their repayment schedules. Love it. Got another one for you. What are you a bigger fan of today? Certainly or- not the Collingwood Football Club, <laughs> I'll tell you right now. <laughs> we already knew that. I actually didn't tell the listeners that you're a Carlton supporter. Um Maybe I selectively did that. I'm not sure. Um, maybe not. Um, what are you a bigger fan of today? Having your portfolio with multiple different banks or having your portfolio portfolio all with the same bank? If you had asked me that question five or six years ago, Alex, I would have gone in the path of 
separating as much as you possibly Separate can. Separate everything, yeah. no one bank the same. Absolutely. Yeah. As time has gone on, as life has changed <laughs> and as the banks have changed also. Massively. Yeah. I, I think the key component where possible is endeavour to have your security separate as often mm. as you possibly can. But my mindset's changed a little bit where I'm saying if bank number one is going to give you the best offering as a package and under the right structure. Mm. For all the properties. For all the properties yeah. in separated scenarios, mm. why not proceed? Yeah. yeah. So my 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 tune has changed somewhat at the last, you know, four or five years in that. Um, and, if, and does that include the own home? Or are you talking like yeah, investment portfolio? No, no, only? it includes the own home also. Oh, okay. So, yeah, there are, there are many banks out there that are willing to package things up on the proviso, as I said, it doesn't mm. necessarily have to be in a cross-collateralized scenario. Yeah, yeah. And that's and that's quite beneficial because in future years, whether you're looking to shift money around within your portfolio or even sell your assets, you've got a little bit more sort of control. Absolutely. Yeah. So, well answered. Yeah, I, I think I think the simplicity behind it is for any prospect out there that is looking to borrow money and build an investment portfolio, is you've got to take what you can today. Mm. And then have that ability and that mindset to potentially unwind and make changes at the relevant time. Mm-mm. I guess it, it sort of goes back to what you were saying before is like it, it do what gets you in the best cash flow position. Yeah. Because, you know, your cash flow is critical, not only for your investment portfolio, but, you know, for you to live your life. Like your, your cash flow is absolutely critical. Correct. You'll be living on the bones of your ass every week. I mean... Unless, unless that means you've been diligent. That's a, it's a very valid point because um, there are swings and roundabouts in this crazy world. Yeah. Um, and it's no different in the finance world. You know, mm. you've just got to be able to manage your way through the good times and the bad times and you've just got to keep on managing your way through the other way. So you've just got to be remain positive and remain in control. And the underlying message really is don't pigeonhole yourself into one specific area. Yeah. Have the ability to expand your mind, your emotions, and utilise your resources around you. AKA me calling you every five minutes. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, are you okay with me putting your email in the show notes so that the, the people can reach out to you? Absolutely. Oh, what a guy. What a guy. Probably are you. Probably owe you a nice coffee or two for this one. All good. That's that's (laughs) great. And it's look, we've had so many prime examples probably the last 12 months more so um, where clients have really picked up the phone, got off their backside and invested that quality time in challenging the banks that they're with. Absolutely. What are they challenging for? Rate reviews, number one. Yep. If they're not asking the question, they're not getting the benefits. Mm. Um, what they're also doing is obviously le- leveraging off us at InvestLoan, asking for our advice, utilising their resources. And, you know, as I said, I think it was probably the last two or so, two or three weeks, we've had something like 15 clients out of our Victorian-based clients that have picked up the phone, mm. made those calls, invested the time, and they've been rewarded anywhere between 50 to 75 basis point reduction. So wow. that's Anywhere between half a percent to three quarter percent. They, like they might actually be able to get a better result them calling up directly than, Absolutely. than you going through the brokerage. Absolutely. Yep. At yep. all times. And you know, the banks the bank's attitude these days is they don't want to speak to the broker on these rate reviews. They oh. want to actually speak to the customer themselves. Oh. Because funny enough, once upon a time, 
only recently, mm. a lot of banks had the attitude that if you you got to refinance, go, see you later. But that behaviour is starting to change also, which is quite positive, where the retention team is now in communication. I feel like that hasn't happened for a while. Yeah, it's been quite noticeable. And you feel you feel a bit devoured when they don't try to retain you? Yeah. <laughs> You've already decided you're leaving. You've already given them, like, the bird and you're like, oh, I've engaged with another, but... Then you don't get that call, or certainly I, I haven't the last few times I've changed backs and and I'm like, I'm just a I'm just a cracker. Random question for you. Yeah. Do you reckon there's a bit of a ploy behind the banks saying, right, let's release X amount of clients out the door that are in this space? I mean, I'm a pretty flawless client, so I mean I I'm I'm guessing. I'm getting my like Sherlock Holmes hat on here. I'm guessing that you mean because I'm on like a lower rate or something. But like I had I had um a couple of scenarios where the bank, like a particular one earlier in the year, right? The bank wouldn't do a valuation on my property that I was telling them had gone up to a point at to a point where I'd bought it at 90% LBR, it was down to 60% LBR. Therefore, even though my interest rate had increased, I would be, you know, a, a, a safer, it, it's a safer security, like it's 60% LBR. And no, we don't do valuations. I was like, what do you mean? Like, huh? What do you mean? I, I just wanted my valuation for the purpose of knowing the equity that I could use if Absolutely. I were, you know, like not even necessarily for a rate reduction, but yeah. they just not... See you later, you know, dusted me off and um, and no retention call, nothing. I had a great no scenario. Love. No love. I had a great scenario very recently for a particular client um, had made that call. In actual fact, the bank arranged an appointment four or five hours on that same day mm-hmm. and let them know our retention team is going to be making contact with you. We want to go through your entire portfolio because the original inquiry was to release partially release one of the securities. And they yeah. said, no, 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 let's have a chat first before we go down that path because we want to try and retain you. And I said, that's just music to my ears. It's great that the, <laughs> it's great that the banks are music starting to, to behave that way. And, and I, like that's that's interesting. Yeah. Not, maybe not concerning, but very interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, we always talk about loyalty tax or, or like lazy tax, which mm. is just a joking way to say, you stay at a bank because you you think they love you and you love them, but they're they're not giving you any any love. Um, they're just hiking up your rates, but they're giving all of the new business the really low rates with the cashback incentives. So now, if we're seeing the retention team actually, you know, maybe they maybe they just I just saw something. <laughs> you know how unemployment's been really low. And therefore, it's been really hard to employ people. And I think James and I did an episode a couple of weeks ago where something like one in four businesses was looking for staff and they just couldn't hire. Maybe it's the retention team in the banks that they they go, you know what, we, we actually need more brokers in this department, we need more people in this department, we're going to prioritise and, and not worry about our retention. Our re- retention. Because we can't employ, so if where we can, we're not putting them in the retention team. I mean, maybe that's a bit of an oxymoron because re- uh, retaining look, business is just as important as, as getting it, no? You would have thought so. You would have thunk it. You would have thought so. Yeah. So um, 
Yeah, so they're, they're pretty much the changes that, that have been quite noticeable and, you know, it has been a bit of a roller coaster ride. But Always know, is. The clear message to the public out there is just keep on doing. Hustling. Hustling, hustling, hustling. Yeah. So, so annoy you, broker, annoy the bank. Absolutely. And just annoy anyone else who will listen for the sake of. Yeah. <laughs> Think of it this way. The bank ain't going to call you and see if you'd like to reduce your rates. <laughs> no. And the day they do, I'm leaving that bank. <laughs> Hang on. What? Sorry. Who? What? Sorry. What? Yeah, absolutely. Concerning. Um, well, amazing to have you on. Um, probably reoccurred to me that you need to come on much more often, like maybe once a quarter, and we can just smash out all of the finance questions that we get. Um, but Bernie Big Dog, thank you very much. If you'd like to get in contact with this great man, his email is in the show notes. And a little secret, he doesn't let an email flick by. He's going to reply to you before he goes to bed that night because <laughs> I see his inbox daily. And there's barely any emails in there because he's actioned them all. So you'll get a response within 24 hours. I'll Did, give I'll give you a bit of leeway. Bloody hell, Alex. You've set the standard time. <laughs> no, They're coming in hard and fast. It's been uh, it's been great being on. Um, best yeah. is yet to come. Beautiful. Thanks, big dog. All the best. All right. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is thedoubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is thedoubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.